Okay, wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper Gotta get the paper Every morning gotta go and get the paper And a nice cup of coffee Okay, welcome to episode 11 of the Great Underreaction podcast, a satirical sports podcast with me, Callum White, and as always, Andrew Ernesto Seaton. Andrew, in episode 10, you, out of the blue at the start of the episode, made it very clear that you don't want me to ask how you are. So don't tell me how you are. I don't care. I also went back in time and listened to that episode and one thing that seemed very clear and if you haven't listened to episode 10 do go back and listen to it but you told me three or four times that you're at the University of St Andrews so I just wanted to be clear that Andy is at the University of St Andrews and I as was established in the last episode am at the University of Life. Andrew how are you? (laughs) Regretting the episode 10 intro, <laughs> I think. I shouldn't, uh, you know, sorry, who are you? I should be more professional. I should learn to cover some things up and just, you know, carry on with the show as intended instead of, you know, I shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't have gone down that path with you, Callum, and I regret it. And I'm perfectly happy with the how are you intro. I just had a moment. That's all. I'm well. Just to be clear. Which university are you affiliated with? Oh, I'm Andrew Seaton of the... You know, fucking sounds so stupid. Let's not do it. It's not like we're doing anything to do with... not like we're talking about stuff we have any authority to talk about. Let me just put this veneer of of authority over the top. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, that intro to last episode. Uh, I, I, like to, I like to know how you are as well, Callum. How are you? I'm pretty tired, to be honest. The... Um, when I'm not doing this, I work for the government, and at the moment, I'm working uh, a lot more than usual for the government because of no deal preparations. That's literally the most I'm allowed to say about it, but it's uh, it's been some long days. So the podcast is my, my day job, but uh, when I'm not podcasting, the other day job is, uh, has been a bit intense recently. And it's made you feel pretty tired and like maybe you can't be there so much for your family or me on the podcast. So that's really the true cost of Brexit. Presumably, yeah. Predominantly, I would say it's it's mostly anxiety about not being able to devote as much time to the podcast as I'd like to. <laughs> yes, fatherhood's a breeze. The podcast requires some focus. Exactly. Anyone can have a kid. Yeah. Not anyone can do a podcast. That's true. That's true. Especially if you don't have a university degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did I forget to introduce myself? My name's Callum White from the University of Life. It's <laughs> so funny because you went to Oxford and the University of Life is what you say when you didn't go fucking anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, keep it humble, Callum. Keep it humble. That's me. Always you can humble. give me the, the 20 pounds that you promised me for mentioning that you went to Oxford. You can just transfer me that later. Yes, thank you very much. I didn't go to Oxford. I went to Oxford twice. <laughs> you see, that that's not necessarily better. It could be that you <laughs> yeah. you just dropped out. or I don't know. Yeah, if I just say I was at Oxford for nearly five years and don't explain it, people will just think I wasn't very good at 
getting my three-year degree done. I've been to Oxford more than twice to visit you. You have. So, there you go. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've been to Oxford <laughs> as much as me. I don't know what I'm saying. There's a good genre of uh, of tweets. Have you have you noticed these that people calling out uh, tweeters who like I think so. One I saw recently was about Boris Johnson, and it's like when we were both at blah blah college Oxford together, Boris never would have dreamed of being like this. And then someone quote tweeting that and saying, "I want you to understand very deeply that I went to Oxford, and my opinion is, <laughs> by the way, I went to Oxford, and my opinion on Boris is, I went to Oxford, I went to Oxford, I went to Oxford." I think that's true. There's a, an old joke. Do you know that joke about um, how do you know if someone went to Oxford? Because they mention it in the first five minutes. Yeah, they'll tell you in the first five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's actually funny, though, is that Boris Johnson uh, and his brother, Joe Johnson, uh, went to Balliol College, Oxford. So they did, in fact, go to the same college as me. <laughs> ah, well, you didn't mention it in the first five minutes. We're at episode 11. So that's, you know, we're 20 something hours in, 20 hours in. So I'll just make the intro music longer. Okay. <laughs> and then it won't be the first five minutes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Shall we uh, talk about sports? Let's do it. Underreaction. Okay, so I'm going to greatly underreact to a tweet. <laughs> Always a good idea. Uh, opposite so, of modern society. <laughs> yes, we are the what's the and we are the antidote to the virus of Twitter. Mm. That's what we're doing here, Callum. Okay, so uh, let's set the scene here. Andrew Luck very talented quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, announced his retirement from the NFL at the age of 29. And why Mm -hmm. did he retire, Callum? He retired because he had, for a number of years, dealt with significant injuries. And I think the subtext is that he was dealing with quite significant mental health problems. And he just couldn't deal with waking up in pain every morning. Right. So injured guy, it's his shoulder as well, wasn't it? Mm. Um, that his throwing shoulder. So he's been playing through pain for years and he decided to retire for the good of his health. Um, and the tweet is from Earl B. Bennett, at Earl B. Bennett on Twitter, who is an ex-NFL vet, and he tweeted... Is Andrew Luck retiring the most bizarre sports news in the last 10 years? Shall we go back to the old school uh, great underreaction? Oh, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Callum, do you agree that Andrew Luck retiring is the most bizarre sports news in the last 10 years? No! (laughs) No! I like the little heartbeat. That actually got my heartbeat going. <laughs> it's the first time I've got your heartbeat going in ages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, I'm so tired uh, that my heartbeat doesn't go up anymore. 
Mm-hmm. I was at a gig. I was at a gig on Wednesday night and uh, had a, a, a little uh, had a little partaking of some substances, non-alcoholic substances that I haven't partaken in for a long time. I don't think since Felix was born. And the normal effect of which would be to uh, dramatically increase your energy levels. And it just did nothing, I think, because I'm so tired deep to my bones that <laughs> I just, there's nothing more. There's nothing inside. You could give me yeah. 100 coffees and there would be nothing. Anyway. Fatherhood. Fatherhood. <laughs> <laughs> so I, <laughs> I thought that we, actually, because we're doing this in the middle of the day, this is my first dry podcast. I've got a cup of tea here. Oh, I got drunk in the middle of the day specifically for this. Oh, did you really? <laughs> I've been day drinking since about 11. Oh, have you? Oh, you're sounding pretty, pretty good. <laughs> right, so we've got to greatly underreact. Right, basically, this I took this tweet as a challenge to find some more bizarre sports news in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, there's no shortage of this. I mean, the first one I thought of was from the same sport also a retirement and from within the last year. And that was, we covered it on the podcast, Vontae Davis, the cornerback for uh, the Bills, retired at halftime in a game at the start of last season. Yeah, he just came in at halftime and was like, no, I'm really fucking done, guys. And he literally he literally packed up his stuff. He didn't even go like, oh, don't send me out to play in the second half. He literally packed up his stuff and drove home while the game was still going on. <laughs> didn't watch or anything. He didn't. He's like, oh, well, if I'm going to retire, I might as well get ahead of all this traffic. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't say I'm injured or I'm not up for, I can't play the next half or anything. He just, he actually retired at halftime. That's a more bizarre <laughs> yeah. retirement story than 29-year-old with injured shoulder retires. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting as well is the fact that... Um, Andrew Luck's retirement almost perfectly mirrors another NFL player who retired this year, who's also 29, called Rob Gronkowski. And that's not being seen as a bizarre retirement at all. Yeah, he's only 29. He looks like he might be a bit older, but he's, yeah. yeah, The weird thing is people are retiring from professional sports and they're younger than us. It's something that you need to come to terms with. But so other players have retired young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jordan famously retired at the peak of his powers. Uh, Bjorn Borg, I didn't know this, but Bjorn Borg retired age twenty six. Joking me? I didn't know that. Twenty six is like unbelievably young, but he emerged onto the scene as a like teenage superstar, didn't he? So. By the time he was 26, he'd been playing for nearly a decade, I suppose. And maybe you're just done at that point. Yeah. And it's not like you're short on cash. Yeah, he was like, "What I, my real passion is flamboyant designs for boxer shorts. <laughs> and that's what he went and pursued. I think we sort of assume that if a player has re- reached professional level, that they have a burning passion for playing sport they love it more than anyone anything else that's like um andre agassi famously hated tennis he was like really annoyed that he was so good at it (laughs) it's like he's like i can't stop because like it's just like i'm so good at it but he really never enjoyed it Mm. it seems weird right yeah it seems it seems crazy for us because we're like well we'll do that in our spare time 
Um, the other, uh, when you were saying that people who retired early, um, who was, uh, who was Hamilton, Hamilton's partner at Mercedes, and he retired after he won the, um, after he won the championship. Oh yeah, German guy. Um, what was his name? Rosberg. Uh, mm. Rosberg. Nico Rosberg. He won the championship in, in an incredibly fortunate manner that season. Basically, Hamilton's car just broke down like four races or something, and Rosberg yeah. won those races. So he won. He knew that he was never going to win again. <laughs> so he thought, I may as well retire. Yeah, he he said that he just didn't like racing that much. Didn't yeah, he? he was just like, I've done, I've reached, I've done the, I've achieved the greatest thing you can achieve. So I'm that's me. And he's gone. Yeah. yeah. He was already rich as well, I think. A lot of Formula One drivers are pretty rich because they pay for their seat in the car. Right. I've got a non I've got a non weird I've got a non retirement bizarre story about Ardor mm-hmm. Turan. Do you remember him? Ardor Turan. He yeah. used to play for Barcelona. Um and he's Turkish and he uh this was in let me see, when was this? In two thousand and eighteen. So last year he was playing for a Turkish team and living in Turkey and he got into a brawl in an Istanbul nightclub um, and he broke this pop singer's nose. This guy's apparently huge in Turkey and he broke his nose apparently after this singer confronted him claiming that Turan was chatting up his wife and this brawl broke out and Arda Turan pulled a gun and fired it at some point. He didn't fire it at anybody apparently. But it put the singer in hospital, and after I think, um, I think he was arrested, and then after he got out of jail, he went to the hospital. Arda Turan went to hospital where he'd hospitalized this famous pop singer, and he took a gun out and he put it on the table in front of the singer in his hospital bed and said, "If I've dishonored you, then kill me now," <laughs> and just like waited there for the guy to see if the guy would kill him <laughs> and apparently there's a video of like him throwing a gun on a table in a hospital <laughs> so I would say that Arturan doing that is slightly more bizarre than 29 year old with injured shoulder retires from sport what do you think Callum it's a close one it's I think a close one <laughs> Weighing it up, I would say maybe that's a more bizarre sporting story. I bet the I just love the like he's just like he got out of jail and he's like, I'm just gonna go clear this up. Don't want this hanging over me. I'm just gonna go to the hospital with my gun and tell him to kill me. When he when he left jail, did they give him his gun back? I don't know. Was he like picking up his effects and he was like, know. Right, that's my wallet, that's yeah. my wallet. Maybe he was arrested. Oh, I need my later. gun as well. Maybe he was arrested later. He was definitely arrested because he went to, he was like indicted in court. Maybe he was arrested later. I might have embellished that. that maybe it was later he, he went to jail. Anyway, at some point he went to hospital with his, with his gun and just, I just like that. He's just like, I can't have this hanging over me. Better go draw a line in, in the sand with this guy. <laughs> if you're going to get shot, then in a hospital is probably the best place to do it. Yeah, it's also like fake. It's also fake bravery, right? Because that guy is no way he can shoot him in the hospital and get away with it. You know, there's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's never going to do that. Yeah. Hel- Helen has a Helen suggested a story for this. 
Wow, really? Uh, more bizarre, yeah, because I was doing it in the living room just before, and uh, and she said, "What about what about Djokovic becoming weak as shit when he holds bread?" <laughs> did you hear? Did you know this? I didn't know this. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, jo- you probably do know that Djokovic has a gluten free diet. I did know that. Yeah, it was very well publicized. Yeah, very well publicized, and he went gluten free, and then he started winning everything. Okay, yeah. so did you know how he was um, in? Please, please hear the quotes, the invisible quotes here. Um, the how he was diagnosed with uh, gluten intolerance. No. <laughs> so, okay, here's here's a quote from a, a news article about it. Uh, let's say um, again. Please hear the uh, inverted the quotes around this phrase. Uh, let's say the the medical professional uh, asked him to hold down his left, held his left arm against his abdomen, and then resist the pressure when he pushed down on um, Novak Djokovic's right arm. So he's holding his right arm up, and then he's pushing down. And he's saying, "Don't let me um, push down." And being a strong and physically fit man, Djokovic found this quite easy. However, the next step was a bit more odd, as he gave Novak Djokovic a slice of bread to hold it against his abdomen (laughs) with his left hand, and they repeated the experiment. Djokovic found he could no longer do it. That served as enough proof to Djokovic that he was uh, indeed unable to eat wheat or even have it touch his skin, encouraging him to make a huge and dedicated change to his diet. Oh my God. So there you go. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So all of those Grand Slams that Djokovic won, we needed to just have like thrown a baguette at him. And then <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone should have had like his opponent should have like had a sandwich in their bag and sort of accidentally dropped it on the walk, change of ends. Like, imagine going and just rubbing, <laughs> rubbing a bit of bread on Djokovic, and then watching it be like. Looking in horror, he was like, "My arms aren't going to work anymore. <laughs> I can't play tennis. I can't stand up." <laughs> there must be some sort of a trick that's like it must be something about how if you're trying to push on your left side, then it weakens your right. Something like that, right? I think it's a psychology psychological thing. Mm, you know? Yeah, maybe it could be a mechanical thing as well, though. He might think he already has ideas about bread. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks this is weakness. He's like a superhero. Bread is his kryptonite. So what we need to do is repeat the experiment, but get a piece of gluten-free bread <laughs> and see whether or not him thinking that he's holding a piece of bread. Oh, yeah. Big time. That would be good. What do you reckon, Callum? Is Novak Djokovic is weak when he's touching bread? Is that a more or less uh, bizarre story than a 29-year-old? I can't, I'm just going to keep saying it. A 29-year-old with an injured shoulder retiring. What do you reckon? I think that's one of the more bizarre stories I've heard for a while. I can top it. If we if you let me yeah. if you let me go outside of older than ten years, I can top it. Yeah. Can I please can I please top it? Yeah, please do. Have you ever heard of a footballer called Roger Miller? Mm, I don't think so. Roger Miller? How is it spelled? M I L L A. He's Cameroonian. Nope. I think that's like a, uh, yeah, anyway, Roger Miller. So <laughs> the story is in 1992, after he was um, retired, he was somehow involved in football in Cameroon. I can't remember exactly how. 
But in 1992, I'm going to quote here from a, a, sadly, this is only apparently reported in a book that I can't find. So I've got people who are like claiming excerpts from the book. So we have to take it with a pinch of salt. But apparently it's true. In 1992, Cameroon legend Roger Miller kidnapped 150 jungle pygmies as he bid to set up a charity football tournament. The aim of the tournament was to raise money for the education and health of the pygmies within the African state. Matters soon turned pear-shaped when only 50 spectators turned up at the 50,000 all-seater Omnisport Stadium to watch the teams play. Of those who turned up, 25 were ejected for hurling abuse at pygmies. <laughs> a few years like a few weeks later, Roger Miller was arrested by the police after receiving complaints that the pygmies had been imprisoned in a single locked room underneath the stadium by an armed guard. A stadium official countered by saying, "You don't know these pygmies. They are extremely difficult to control." <laughs> The Pygmy delegation complained that they received just one meal in three days. The spokesman argued that they play better if they don't eat too much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so Roger Miller decided to raise money for the Pygmies. Um, and in so doing, he kidnapped them and didn't feed them, kept them locked up and tried to force them to play a football match that they didn't want to play. <laughs> of which 50% of the spectators were there purely to abuse Pygmies. <laughs> Yes. So I better quote my source here. This is from a book called uh, Football Against the Enemy, written by someone called Simon Cooper. And that year, that book won the William Hill Sports Book of the Year prize. A prestigious prize. So if if you believe Simon Cooper told the truth in that book, then you believe that story. I just find that unbelievable. It's definitely... A more unbelievable story than a 29-year-old retiring. Do you think? It's not within the last 10 years, but even if you sort of have some sort of a discounting rate, the further back in time you look, uh, I don't see this beating it. I can think of one sports story from the last 10 years that's more unbelievable than a 29-year-old retiring. Imagine that the governing body of the biggest sport in the world decided to give their prestigious, their most prestigious tournament to back-to-back countries with human rights violations. And then one of them has temperatures that go over 50 degrees Celsius and no infrastructure to support the tournament. That would be more unbelievable than a 29-year-old retiring. (laughs) You've gone there. That was what the most tweets were like. Most tweets, people didn't go funny. Most pe- tweets, people went serious. Most, they were like, if you think this is genuinely so bad. <laughs> yeah, they were like, uh, Colin Kaepernick's not got a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, what they, that's what they were doing. We, I think we could do four episodes on things that are more bizarre than an injured guy retiring from sport. Anyway, Absolutely, but let's not do that because we've got lots of other topics to address. We do, we do. So you've got a couple of burning issues um, I do. I would like to cover Eric Cantona if we can. Absolutely. Eric Cantona and Eric Cantona drop kicking a fan in the middle of a match is also more bizarre than Andrew Luck <laughs> retiring. It's one of the more bizarre things I've ever seen in sports. Is Eric Cantona just fully kicking someone in the chest in public. 
I think pretty much everything we've ever talked about on this podcast falls under the category of more bizarre. Um, so Eric Cantona, he was at the UEFA Awards or the FIFA Awards or some awards. I can't remember. Let's not go into it. He got some award, Lifetime Achievement Award of some variety. And um, so I've got a transcript of his speech, his acceptance speech of the, of the award. Um, okay, so here we go. I'm going to read it out. So the award winner... So you've transcribed this to yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I did. I didn't <laughs> want to bother clipping it out. So I, I I went and watched the video and I wrote it down because <laughs> I couldn't be bothered clipping it into this podcast. So you're going to get my version of it. And uh, so the award, the award giver, he says, what's going through your mind at the moment? And then Eric Cantona replies, as flies to wanton boys are we to the gods. They kill us for their sport. Soon the science will be able to slow down not only the aging of the cells, soon the science will fix the cells to the state. And so we become eternal. Only accidents, crimes, wars will still kill us. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. <laughs> I love football. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, the end. I can't believe the end. The end is my favorite part. I love football. Thank you. <laughs> it was an unbelievable thing to, to watch. And he's just looking so rough now as well. He's like, he's got a big pubescent beard that really needs a trim. Oh, it's apparently he's into amateur theater. So that's why he oh opens with a, he opens with a quote from uh from King Lear that's as flies to wanton boys are we to the gods they kill us for their sport. That's from King Lear. But then he just goes, I mean, let's try and deconstruct this. The science will be able to slow down the aging of the cells and then we will become eternal and only accidents, crimes and wars will still kill us. I mean, how much do you think he took the award giver who said what's going through your mind at the moment he just took that literally didn't he he just said like <laughs> he's like oh yeah that's a genuine question i've not prepared a speech but i'll answer your question this is what i'm thinking about at the moment um, <laughs> and then he's like what am i thinking about now i love football uh thank you <laughs> that's the end it just goes i love football <laughs> yes <laughs> so funny Crimes and wars will multiply. I might start saying I love football at the end of like everything I try and say that's profound. Like I'm going to be in <laughs> meetings at work tomorrow. And then at the end of going on this like long speech about all these things we need to do, just go, I love football. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I just think it's so good. I'm really glad Eric Cantona exists and he gave us this. It's brilliant. I think he might be... I read an article in The Guardian about millennial humor. Mm -hmm. I think this might I think this might be millennial humor. Uh, oh, you think so? there's no punchline or form of the joke. There's just it's just bizarre. And that's um that's what millennial humor is. I feel like apparently. using the word millennial to describe anything is an instant way to get me really fired up. <laughs> it's so lazy. I don't know what it means. I don't know when it starts. I don't know. It's like the, the range of what millennial is categorized as is so broad 
that it's like 15 years, right? So it's like we're millennials, but people yeah. five years older than us are also millennials. But people yeah. 10 years younger than us are also millennials. No, like, no, they're not. They're not. They're iGen. When does iGen start? I think iGen's like 96, 97. Yeah, that's like they grew up, they never knew a world before the internet. So kids at university now are yeah, not they're iGen. No, they're iGen. That's the first time yeah. I've ever heard iGen used. I don't feel like I'm a millennial. I don't think I like anything <laughs> that millennials like. That's why I say to Helen. That's like verbatim what I say to Helen probably once a week. <laughs> well, I'm not. I, all the things that they say I am, that's what I'm not. Yeah, I don't identify at all with millennials, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's my problem. Like, I don't. Do you have Instagram? I don't have Instagram. The other day, I, I was I was being explained to. I had to be explained what an influencer and an Insta story is. I don't. I didn't know what those were. I mean, I knew what those were. I use Instagram quite infrequently, but I do have it. You know that my cousin is an influencer. That's his full time job, and I didn't know what it was. Is that your cousin who was on the reality TV show or whatever? Oh yeah, actually, links to sports. Yeah, he was on this like reality sports. It was like a cross between Made in Chelsea and Gladiators, um, but in <laughs> Peru. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. I would watch in it. Peru. <laughs> yeah, there's like the drama of Made in Chelsea with the, the fake relationships and the, you know, the conversations in cafes and whatever. But then also they have to do physical challenges in the, in the TV studio. So um, yeah. Uh, that was what made him famous, but now he's quit. And then he had a daytime TV show. Um, and and now he quit that and he's a, a full-time influencer. Do you want to know how many? Let me look him up, Ernest. So does he have like 4 million followers on Instagram? I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I've never actually been on his Instagram. Helen goes on. I learn everything about from Instagram through Helen. Guess how many followers he's got. Uh, what's the population of Peru? I've... Guess that as well, because I've got no idea. <laughs> How do you not even have a ballpark figure? I think it's like 25 million. <laughs> 32 million. 32 million. Right. Uh, I'm going to say that he, he's got 1.7 million followers. He's got less than that. He's got 664,000 followers. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, and all he does is just go around and say, I'm an Instagram influencer. Give me your hotel room for free, please. And they go, yes. <laughs> and he goes to restaurants and he says, I'm an influencer. Give me a meal. And they go, yes. And I'll post and it on my in Instagram. And yeah. See, I'd heard the phrase influencer. Yeah. But I didn't know it meant like that you could actually, that could just be your job. I just thought it meant you were someone on Instagram who was popular. I didn't realize, you know, all he does is just, he's got a selfie stick and he just tweets selfie stick pictures of himself as he goes about his life. Yeah, you just like are a walking brand advert. So do you want a couple of other Eric Cantona quotes, which I really enjoy? Oh, yes, please. Uh, he once said, my best moment, I have a lot of good moments, but the one I prefer is when I kicked the hooligan. <laughs> 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 I'd retiring from football and being like the best thing that ever happened was when I kicked that guy in the chair. <laughs> uh, he said, when the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. 
Thank you very much. It's <laughs> just really enjoying that says, That's a really good one. Thank you very much at the end of things. <laughs> I love football. Thank you very much. It's like crushed it, completely done. Have you seen the thing? That, where... was, to, that was to the journalists, right? He was like basically saying the journalists are seagulls and he's the trawler. He's a right. profound man. Yeah. Like, I like that a lot. Deep thoughts. Have you seen the video where he goes on at a great length about how he's going to, he says that he's going to piss in the ass of the Pope? <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> oh, it's really crazy. Do you, do you think that's more or less bizarre that a 29-year-old is injured his shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> Everything Eric Cantona did is more bizarre. Oh my goodness. I'm actually a little bit crying a little bit. <laughs> uh, the seagulls following the troller one was what he said at the press conference on his return from kicking the hooligan. So he got banned for nine months for kicking that guy. And then when he came back, that's what he said. Anyway, Eric Cantona, I'm sure, will appear in future episodes because he's just a bizarre man, isn't he? Okay, let's go. I mean, everything. We've got to drop this bizarre thing. Let's just take it as, as read that every bizarre every article is more bizarre than Andrew Luck retiring because the next one we want to talk about, this is the headline. I think I read it four times before I clicked the article. Mm-hmm. It was on the, book, on the Guardian. Yep. The headline is Manny Pacquiao... Manny Pacquiao is a, a famous boxer from the Philippines. Yep. Manny Pacquiao launches own cryptocurrency at concert debut. <laughs> and I sent that to you and I said, a lot to unpack here. <laughs> because this is what happened to me. I would dive deep into the cryptocurrency thing and I completely forgot that he announced it at his concert debut, <laughs> which was another layer on top of this story is that Manny Pacquiao has um, produced a cover album, an album of covers of uh, love songs, and he's touring it in the Philippines. Where he is a senator. Where he's a senator, yeah. <laughs> but he also he also still boxes professionally. Yeah, he's, so he's a busy uh, man. He holds the WBA welterweight super championship. <laughs> so I can't believe this. He launches his own cryptocurrency. And let me tell you, Calm, I've spent a lot of energy researching this. And by a lot of energy, I mean 20 minutes. That's a and lot. I can't, I can't figure out. It is for this podcast. And I can't figure out what the hell has happened. So from so he used a, um, he used a company called GCOX. Hang on, what are they called? What does that mean? Global Crypto Offering Exchange. The Global Crypto Offering Exchange. Right, so this is from their website, a description of what GCOX do. GCOX helps celebrities leverage their popularity like never before by creating their own personalized celebrity tokens through exclusive product services and social interaction, GCOX revolutionizes the way celebrities interact with their fans, giving the public unparalleled access to celebrities. GCOX aims to be the world's first platform of its kind, where celebrities and brands are able to capitalize on blockchain technology, a highly secure and dependable distributed protocol to truly revolutionize and redefine popularity and celebrity culture like never before. <laughs> so what's that then huh i've got no clue what is that and you're at the university of st andrews I... 
<laughs> I'm a mathematician. I've watched a YouTube video that explains blockchain. I watched it like four years ago. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I don't understand this. He's launched his own, it's called the pack. He's launched his own um, cryptocurrency. So, and it's now listed on these like trading houses where you can buy cryptocurrencies. Mm. Apparently, um, Gcox, which is what I'm going to call it, um, <laughs> GCOX, Gcox, uh, counts Pacquiao, but also Liverpool and England soccer star Michael Owen as part of the uh, part of their roster, uh, and Caroline Wozniacki, and singer Jason Derulo. How many Jason Derulo songs can you name? Um. Oh, I don't know. Is Jason Derulo? I don't know. We're revealing our our lack of millennial credentials here. Um, is he not the one who always sings his own name at the start of his songs? So <laughs> all his songs do that. All his songs start the same way. It's like mm, I'm Jason Derulo. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that's what. At least that's the part of the Jason. Uh, Derulo brand that has uh, filtered down into my brain. <laughs> I don't know. If he doesn't, then that's just me. <laughs> he starts out by going, mm, Jason Derulo. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll have to rely on our more knowledgeable friends listening to this episode and WhatsApping us. Please do yeah. that if you know anything about Jason, this so-called Jason Derulo. Yeah. Anyway. It's not like that Jason Derulo is like more famous than Drake or someone like that. I'd be like, he's got 6.8. Does that happen to you? Sometimes I'm browsing through something in popular culture. You know, you'll be on Twitter or something like that, and then someone will post something that'll have lots and lots of traction. And I'll be like, who is this person? And I'll click it, and they'll have like 8 million followers. (laughs) And I'll be like, who are you? (laughs) 8 million people are following you. I've never heard of you. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like I could have met them in Greg's and just been like, who are you? So um, I did look up, I remembered this thing about um, cryptocurrencies. So the way they work is, right, the way that their supply is limited is that you have to uh, mine them, which mm-hmm. basically is you have to spend, like, you have to, like, set an algorithm running on your computer, and it's trying to do something that's just computationally very expensive. And the way that what it is is basically you give it a huge, big, huge number, and it's like you need to factorize this number into this into multiples of two prime numbers or something like that, right? Yeah. And and the energy costs are enormous of people doing this, so it's basically completely useless computational energy. But that's like the that's how the supply of bitcoins is limited. And in two thousand and seventeen, zero point two percent of the world's electricity was used to mine bitcoins. And that was more electricity than the consumption of like 50 entire countries and including like 19 different European countries. So it's a completely strange thing and it's a really odd waste of energy if you want to view it like that. And it's, I just can't wrap my head around Michael Owen deciding that this is something he wants to get involved in. The block, he's like, Mike, what? If we can't understand this, what is Michael Owen thinking? What is he yeah. thinking? 
I think the cryptocurrency thing in general is like still just a bit vague to everyone, isn't it? It's like the rest of the world now is like, oh, cryptocurrency, yeah, that's something that we should get involved in, but still don't really like get it. Like, I don't know how how I pay for something with Bitcoin. I don't know because Bitcoins now are worth like crazy amounts of money. You think one but, day they are, but then the next day they drop like by sixty percent, and then they go back up by one hundred and twenty percent the day after, and, and it's just nuts. Does seem like a bubble, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I just don't. Let's forget about the crypto part of it, though. You know, like, what if Michael Owen just like minted some coins <laughs> with his face on them? What would you think? Yeah, and just said these are worth ten grand each. These are these are Michael Owen money. You can spend them on Michael Owen things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to buy Michael Owen? It's basically monopoly, isn't it? What what are Mike what's Michael Owen? What's he got? What's his his all he does now is like the occasional commentary on BT Sport. What's yeah, he does Michael a bit Owen? BT Sport, doesn't he? It's not like there's Michael Owen posters up on teenage girls' bedroom walls, you know. You'd hope not. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a, you'd think there's something odd with the, the girl or the parents if that happened. Yeah, there's something odd going on at that stage. Although yeah. you does still have boyish good looks, but <laughs> you know, something weird is occurring at that stage, isn't it? I do remember in 2008, we talked about getting a computer and then just setting it to mine bitcoins. Yeah, and it was like a bitcoin at that time was worth about £500. And you could mine, we, I think we figured out, did some maths, it was like we'd probably mine on average one Bitcoin every two months or something with a standard desktop. And we were like, ah, it's not worth it. One Bitcoin every two months, you know, like five months. It'd take us six months to pay off the computer and then blah, blah, blah. And then now Bitcoin's worth like 50,000 50, pounds. So mm. yeah, we should have just done that. Just, Callum. just didn't have enough money. But That's now we know what to do. Now we can get in touch with Gcox and we can create the great underreaction crypto coin. And then we'll be able to leverage our popularity like never before by creating a. a blah, 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 I can't remember what the thing said you can do. I still don't know what you can do with it. What can you do with it? I can interact and revolutionize the way I interact with fans. Okay. If we were going to create our own currency, would it be our faces that we would put on the notes or would we choose figures from the podcast or from wider society to put on our notes? Oh, yeah. Like, well, I would rather have, you know, a still frame of Cantona mid-dropkick. That'd be brilliant. (laughs) That would be be fantastic. I'd rather do that. (laughs) And I would have... They have Devin Caduce and he's rocks on the train. <laughs> Devin Caduce holding a crystal saying, I feel sleepy. <laughs> or like cartoon <laughs> speech bubble. Can you have cartoon speech bubbles? You can because it's our currency and Gcox. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. It would be him saying like anthracite. I feel like the world needs. <laughs> the world needs. We could have it. We could go meta. The world needs GU coins. Yes. GU coins. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll work on that for the next episode and then hopefully we'll have something to launch by episode 12. I might just put a little note here. Email, email, G Cox. 
comma, ask about GU money. <laughs> See, I'm genuinely, I, I still, maybe they'll get back to me. I'll say, we host this famous podcast. We're introduced, we want to, we want to take the next step to interacting with our fans in a revolutionary way and redefine popularity in several liberty culture like never before and see what they say. Do you think that all these people have just become victim of a email scam that's just got out of hand? <laughs> actually, G Cox actually also has, uh, he's also the brother of a Nigerian prince, just completely coincidentally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wanted to, after our last episode, uh, which if you didn't listen to it, again, I implore you, go back and listen to it. Um, you're not going to go and listen to it. So what happened was we talked a little bit about Antonio Bryan, who was on this season of Hard Knocks, and who um, he seriously burned his feet by wearing the wrong type of shoes in a cryo chamber, which is like a deep, cold regeneration chamber thing that they use. Uh, And then he's just joined this new team, and so he completely fucked up his feet by doing this stupid thing, but he nevertheless decided that the best way to announce his arrival to the training camp that he could not participate in was to take a hot air balloon. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't enjoy it as a concept. Like, I just, I'm really, I really wish, I wish I had inside me that amount of self belief. I know, I really want to be like that. Imagine, yeah, just imagine how good you'd feel all the time. Oh, anyway, sorry, carry on. Um, anyway, he went full cycle <laughs> and, <laughs> and ended up. Uh, so he got fined for not turning up to some practices and stuff, which is sort of standard. Like if I didn't turn up to my job for a week, then there would be some ramifications for that. If I was getting paid like 30 million pounds for the next three years and I didn't turn up for my job for a couple of weeks just before the crucial part of my job's existence, I would expect to get fined for that. He posted this fine letter onto his Instagram page, like basically saying it's a piece of shit. Went into the training camp and then the general manager was like, you can't do that. And he went absolutely nuts at him. <laughs> and he had this huge altercation, huge fight, where he's being held back from like attacking the, the general manager of the whole team. And then he took a ball and he punted it into the distance and said, find me for that. <laughs> He's 29 years old. Need to get him in touch with, touch with Eric Cantona. He can have a chat. <laughs> yeah, it's like really Eric Cantona, but like not got the, uh, not got the, the intellectual capabilities of Eric Cantona. <laughs> and then, so uh, at that stage, they said, no, we're going to find you big time, buddy. And then he he said, release me. So he posted on social media. Uh, he put, posted on social media a thing that said, you're going to piss a lot of people off when you start doing what's best for you. And then said, release me. And that's fine. And I've worked my whole life to prove that the system is blind to see talent like mine's. 
now that everyone sees it, they want me to conform to that same system that has failed me all those years. I'm not mad at anyone. I'm just asking for the freedom to prove them all wrong. Release me at Raiders. Hashtag no more. Hashtag they put blinders on a horse for a reason. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was, I was waiting for that. I was like, wasn't there something about a horse? Isn't there something about a horse? There was something about a horse. Yes. Um, Hashtag they put blinders on a horse for a reason. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so doesn't that help them perform at the sport that they're doing? Yeah, yeah, so that they can stay concentrated on the and not get distracted. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he thinks that the blinders do something negative. <laughs> I don't know. Can you just imagine him sitting down being like, right, I need to make my point emphatically. Hashtag no more. Hashtag they put blinders on a horse for a reason. That gets the point. <laughs> and then he goes on to Twitter and uh, tweets how... Uh, in quotation marks, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. Which wow. is, uh, it's quite hard, right? Now, hang on. That, you were just criticizing him, but that is Eric Cantona level. That, that is. is Eric Cantona level. That super is, you know? <laughs> yeah, the birds follow the trawler, the child burns down the village, man. That's good. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, he was released from the team and has now signed with the New England Patriots, who are the most successful team ever. So it's pretty annoying because <laughs> he's really, 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 really good. I do like the whole, like, I've worked my whole life to prove the system is blind to see talent like mines. It's like, it's like oh. he went to a school in, in Glasgow. That's mines. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's mines, anyway. <laughs> he has been paid, like, a hundred million dollars in the last six or seven years, but apart from that, the system has not recognized his talent at all. Well, it'll be interesting. I now think that uh, the team he was at before, the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was there for a good few seasons, right? Like at least at least three or four. He was there for uh, like eight. Yeah, was he there for eight? Wow, right. So they must have like the Antonio Brown whisperer on their staff. They must have had someone. They must have had, like, to keep a lid on him for that long. Yeah, they traded him because he'd just been getting, like, way too crazy. He's just so crazy that they traded him away. And so they must have been, like, this is... <laughs> must have been watching, enjoying it. It's like telling everyone that someone's really crazy and then no one believes you. And then they're like, oh, actually. He, he posted a picture of himself... Uh, like cartoon of him in his new um, New England Patriots uniform in a room where he's sitting on wads and wads and wads of cash and throwing them up in the air. Is he really? <laughs> yeah, with a, a neon sign in the back that says business is booming. <laughs> Again, I I am in awe of his self-belief. He's, he's got a picture on his Instagram of uh, a drawing of his head and then all of his kids are drawn into his haircut. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's just absolutely fucking crazy. He's like, uh, I, grew, I grew my kids from my own hair. That's from my own hair. That's like the creation myth for the Antonio Brown family. 
the god, <laughs> the god Antonio, yea, he did grow his hair and thus wove it into the shape of his children. That would be good. Very, very good. <laughs> right, we're going to have a slight deviation from uh, regular practice. We're not going to do a trip of the week this week. Instead, we're going to bring back a sex- segment from episode four or five. Yep. Yep. It's, a, it's a segment that everyone's been asking for, and we just mm. had to bring it back for one more time. It's Andy Speaks His Truth. Andy Speaks His Truth. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm also really nervous. <laughs> and because I'm really nervous, we have to go through the ground the ground rules, okay? Do you remember the ground rules from last time? It, I'm speaking my truth, right? This is, these are the expressions of my deepest inner being. And that means... You can't mock me. You're not allowed. Okay. You have to be open and sensitive to my feelings. And this is a safe space. Okay. I'd forgotten that those were the rules. You'd, <laughs> you'd forgotten this was this is these are things I've thought that I'm I'm I I want to speak my truth, Callum, but I'm nervous, yeah. okay? Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. No, I, I will not mock you. I will. I will behave oh, completely. What? I can't believe I wrote this one down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's your truth, Andy, and you speak. Uh, okay. Right. Remember, safe space, Andy. Space, space, safe space, safe space. Okay. If Jamie Vardy was playing in a season friend and a preseason friendly against an American college football team. A soccer team, I should say, to make it clear, in which he scores a goal, but a spectator throws a tin of a wood-protecting product at the keeper, distracting him, and VAR got involved, then that would be a Vardy Varsity Varnish Var moment. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Number two. Do you know how you were talking about taking substances? <laughs> that one, that was pure unadulterated Andrew's brain. That one. There's nothing else going on there. Yeah. Okay, I was inspired because okay. this podcast is a unifying theme in my life. Uh, this is uh, inspired by a non-sports story. But um, I follow Nicola Sturgeon on Twitter and she tweeted out, that she had a great time this morning meeting the former Rolls-Royce workers who feature in the fabulous film Ne Passeran, who took a stand against the Pinochet, Pinochet regime in Chile in the 1970s. They are an inspiration. One of them, Stuart, wrote me a poem, and I love it. And then she's tweeted a picture of her with these guys, and basically the I've seen the documentary, and it's really good, and I'd really recommend it. It's called Ne Passeran, and they striked working on um, engines for the... Chilean Air Force during the Pinochet re- regime. Anyway, um, here's the poem that Stuart wrote for Nicola. It's called Ode to Nicola. Nicola Sturgeon, Ayrshire lass, politician of some class, smart, intelligent, lots of wit, will not tolerate bullshit. A student of Scotland's laws, a woman with considerable bars. <laughs> August 2019 and it signed Stuart and um, 
I read that and I thought, Jesus fucking Christ, if that poem was getting tweeted out saying I love it by uh, Nicholas Sturgeon, then I should have uh, got some poetry. Um, especially yeah, the, so end, you have. the ending, a, steward of, a student of Scotland's laws, a, a woman, that's spelled W-U-M-I-N, a woman with considerable bars. Um, I can't believe that she retweeted that in all honesty. <laughs> what do you think of the poem before I read my poetry? I think um, I think it was good. Uh-huh. I think I'm more excited to hear yours. Okay, so the I thought that I've taken that as inspiration, the structure of that poem. So it basically goes, um, names a person, then some descriptions of things that they like about them, and then at the end, you, you say they've got a considerable boss. Okay, here we go. Uh, Thierry Henry, French dude. I'd love to see you in the snood that I've sent you in the mail. You're French. Ever eaten a snail? I'm sure your testicles are excellent. (laughs) What do you think? Can you just read the last lines to me again? You're, You're French. Ever eaten a snail? I'm sure your testicles are excellent. I think what you need to add into the end is I love football. Thank <laughs> you. I did you like I was gonna you thought I was gonna say nude and I said snood. So Yeah, no, it was good misdirection. I got one more. Yeah. Okay. Here's my poem, my second poem, my last one. Uh, yeah. my dear or as my mum my mum who will be listening. What is it, Mum? It's a poem, isn't it? There we go. My dearest Monsieur Wenger, you're so good. You could have been an Avenger. When we've lost again and we are down and out, you'd put an arm around us and shout. Well, you know, sometimes you lose. This is the game. We have good quality testicles in this team. That's it. That's it. Was that it? Yeah, that's, that's the poem. It's I love football. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> it's like okay, we've got to merge these two poem forms. We'll call them the what we call them the sturgeon, the sturgeon cantona haiku. Yeah, yeah. You've got to mention testicles and then say I love football <laughs> at the end. <laughs> oh, but I don't think it'll be haikus. That'll be too restrictive a form. Okay. Well, I think that. Also, I can't really do a Wenger accent. I wish I could. I wish I could. Oh, I thought the accent you just did there was really good. Oh, was it okay? Oh, I've been working on it. I was practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it in the shower this morning. <laughs> That's not true. I wasn't practicing. <laughs> Walking past the shower, just going, well, uh, well, uh. <laughs> you know, you know, well, you know. I think he's very good at. Uh, um, Getting a team going again after a, a hard defeat, Wenger. He would have been good. Yeah, he certainly had in. many experience at it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> okay, my last truth. Um, mm-hmm. So, according to the um, head of the British Horse Racing Association, ninety-eight percent of people under thirty have uh, never seen a horse in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, say it again. 
the claim is uh, 98% of people under 30 have never seen a horse. (laughs) 98% of people under the age of 30 have never seen a horse. So some millennials plus iGen plus whatever after whatever's after iGen. Uh, yeah. I'm under 30. <laughs> have, you, have you seen a horse, Callum? I'm in the 2% that have seen a horse. Yeah, we are the 2%. Oh, shit. I didn't realize Occupy, Occupy <laughs> were talking about us. Um, yeah, no, it, th- this article was, he was ridiculed for claiming 98% of people because he said it. And then everyone, all journalists across the who I heard it said that's bullshit. Please highlight your source. And basically, this guy just made it up, and he just wanted to say something, so he just made up some numbers. Anyway, that can you imagine a lecture theater with a hundred people, <laughs> and he went, "So has anyone here seen a horse?" And only <laughs> two people stood up. <laughs> oh, this good. Yeah, that's a good analogy. So what 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 this got me thinking? Uh, so. That means you have a 50 to 1. Your odds are 50 to 1 in your life. If, before you're 30, you're seeing a horse, right? That's your, those are your <laughs> odds, right? If you're a gambler, right? <laughs> Gamble. When your baby's born, Poisa, you should do any odds that are better than 50 to 1, and you should win. And um, so I, I wondered what else uh, was 50 to 1 odds, and I did some Googling. Uh-huh. And according to Betfile, the odds of marrying your childhood sweetheart are 50 to 1. So, Callum, my question for you, what are the odds you will marry your childhood horse before the age of 30? <laughs> you do some probability. <laughs> I, gave you, I think I gave you all the information you need to answer this question, Callum. I'm pretty sure. Is, that, is it just 2,500 to 1? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's more complicated than that. It must um, be more complicated than that. Yeah, it's because... a one in fifty percent chance. So one in fifty chance from a one in fifty. Yeah. So it's one fiftieth of one fiftieth, right? No, but that would be the chance of you at the, if these were independent events, like one had no bearing on the other. And yeah. I think it's safe to assume that having seen a horse or not does not influence your probability of marrying your childhood sweetheart. I think we can assume that. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. You know, if you married your childhood sweetheart, that doesn't increase or decrease your chances of seeing a horse. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) But to to marry your childhood horse, you have to have met a horse. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So you're already down to one in 50. No, hang on. Because what if it's like a a Thai horse bride you've never met? You're saying you are you saying that no, it's childhood horse. We've not we've not met our childhood horse. Doesn't mean that it wasn't our childhood. That makes no sense. You have to have met the horse. Okay, you have to have met the horse. Yeah. So fifty. So fifty to one chance of both. That means you're right. One in two thousand five hundred. But that is the chance of both seeing a horse and marrying your childhood sweetheart. What you also need is a probability that your childhood sweetheart is a horse. And we don't have that information. (laughs) So (laughs) we need that. I didn't give you all the information. But if we had that, if someone did that survey, we could, in principle, answer that question. So that's I think that that information does exist as well, because people do marry their horses, don't they? Yeah, I think that was a Jerry Springer episode. 
Yeah, there's like uh, there's like two hundred people a year or something marry an animal. They had to do it for memory. I think Jerry Springer had to arrange for there to be a boat. They had to go. They had to go to international waters with this horse. Um, yeah, because you couldn't do it in the US. Okay, that's it. That's the show. Let's do predictions. I would like to go on at length now about how my overreaction to VAR has proven to be accurate, but we can just leave VAR to germinate until there's a few things that if you ever want to just set me off at the moment, I will always go off on one about VAR because it's driving me nuts. And I will always go off on one about the international break, which appears three three games into the season. <laughs> always pisses me off more than just about anything in the world. People are like getting upset about Brexit and everything. And I'm like, I can't believe it's a fucking international break already. What a piece of shit. Four games, four games in. And now we're off on some fucking useless international. So... Uh, maybe that account speaks as truth. We'll just be a 45-minute long rant about <laughs> the timings of international sports. We um, should do that. Right. I will be equally as welcoming as you are to my truths, Callum. I thought I was pretty welcome to your truths. You were. You did, you did very well. Thank you so much. I feel very, very at peace with myself. Not quite at the level of an Eric Cantona or an Antonio Brown, but I do feel like I've... A small piece of the jigsaw is slotted into place in my heart, Callum. Mm. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very a male, a very male answer. Mm. <laughs> Reacts to Callum saying something. <laughs> like, back to the text messages, which are me like really excited about the podcast. Makes my whole week better. Don't respond to anything. Oh, anyway. Okay, let's do predictions. I've got one. Have you got one? Yep. Okay, I'll go first in case you've got I've got the same one and then I've got I've got my one out of the way and you have to scramble and find another one. Okay. Um Nadal is playing against Medvedev in the US Open final this evening. We don't know who's won yet, but obviously that will be known by the time this goes out. Um regardless of whether he wins or loses, I, I do think he's gonna win. That's my predict that's not really my prediction. Um, but if he wins or if he loses, I will predict that there will be some uh, articles on the greatest of all time Nadal versus Federer debate. No, yeah, and that's not my prediction. My prediction is specifically that those articles, at the same time as using the um, fundamentally flawed concept of the greatest of all time, if you want to know why it's fundamentally flawed. In a previous episode, we dissected and deconstructed the concept of the goat. Which at the time, I remember you saying, oh, I've not really heard this. And I was like, oh, no, it's definitely a thing. Have you now noticed that people say goat more? You know, it's like the only, I don't know anything about cars, but we drive a Honda Jazz. And since (laughs) we bought a Honda Jazz, I just see Honda Jazz everywhere. I'm like, there's another Honda Jazz. There's another Honda Jazz. There's so many Honda Jazz. And I didn't know that there were, anyway. No one's like that. No one drives a Honda Jazz. You're the only person who drives a Honda Jazz. No one drives a Honda Jazz. If you buy a Honda Jazz, you're going to see them everywhere. That's what happens. To be fair, that's what happens when you have children, that as soon as you're expecting a child, suddenly everyone in the whole universe has got a baby. 
I know. It's the same. And, and as soon as you're shopping for prams, you're shopping for prams and buggies, and then all of a sudden you're walking down the street and it's just bat prams and buggies are yeah. everywhere. And you're just getting like, what features has that one got? What's that one got? What brand is that? Is that? Oh, look how they've... That one's got a hook there. So they're hanging that bag down. That bag's hanging down there. Could that... If you were going over a root of a tree, how would that buggy work? Mm-hmm. Would it be good or bad at that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what it's been like with the goat articles. Anyway, even though even though they're going to use the concept of a goat, these articles will not take either side, and they'll just be a completely pointless waste of everyone's time. It'll be Nadal versus Federer, who is the greatest of all time, and then the article will definitively not answer that question. It's a very specific, multi-tiered. It is. I just think it's gonna. I just think that's the form of the greatest of all time articles. They go like they. They're implicitly agreeing that the concept of greatest of all time is stupid by not taking a side. Mm. But then at the same time, they've written an article about who's the greatest of all time, Nadal versus Federer. So it's like, what's it like? It's like a paradox. It's like a contradictory paradox of an article. Yeah. And I won't, I will not stand for it, Callum. I will not stand for it. It, I will not stand for. And it'll, yeah. It'll come down to finishing with another cliche of. Maybe we should just all relish this golden age of men's tennis. <laughs> yes, that's what it'll do. You can't write an article about who's the greatest of all time and then not claim one of them's the greatest of all time. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I'd rather they just committed to the idea of the greatest of all time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I'm looking forward to them retiring and then new greatest of all times emerging. In yes. a year's time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's your prediction, Calm? Well, my prediction is also from the tennis um, because Serena Williams lost the final of the women's draw of the US Open uh, last night. And she's now, is she 37, 38? She's, she's turns, she turns 38 next month. She's 37, so she's nearly 38. And I think that there's going to be a lot of pontificating about whether or not Serena will ever win a Grand Slam again. Um, That's funny that that's your prediction because I actually read an article this morning (laughs) on The Guardian. That that article's already already been written. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. I believe that you didn't know it had been written, but it's... uh... Yeah, let me try and find it. I'll send it to you. Hang on. Or was it on BBC? Here we go. BBC. It's not... It's, this article's not over the top. But yeah. it does say at some point, is it now or never? Which is basically the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, she's in her late 30s. So you would uh, expect that she doesn't have another 10 years Actually, it's not as bad as I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not really been written yet. It says at the end, further opportunities may well arise, but it is now entirely reasonable to ask if rather than when she will do it. That's the bit I was remembering, yeah. Opening up the possibility that she's not going to continue to dominate the women's game, but Mm. I think, uh, yeah, okay. So it sort of happened, but I would expect there to be a greater proliferation of Serena's already won her last 
title. Serena Serena Williams, good at hitting balls, a woman with considerable force. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love football. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. We should end the show there. Thank you for listening, fans. We believe that climate change is the most pressing challenge facing humanity this century. I love football. Thank you. I read the news today, oh boy, about a lucky man who made the grave. I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car He didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood and stared